Hello, Convention of State podcast listeners. Normally, we reserve this channel for audio versions of our live broadcast, COS Live and the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. But as a bonus, we like to occasionally release some historic legacy audio for your enjoyment. In this 2017 recording, the Utah House of Representatives debates the Convention of States resolution. Utah would later become the 14th state to successfully adopt our Article 5 application. HJR 3, joint resolution calling for a convention to amend the Constitution of the United States. Representative Nelson, this bill was heard in the Natural Resources, Agriculture, and Environment with a vote of 11-2-0. Representative Nelson. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Uh, thank you for the indulgence of the body to address the matter now. Uh, for the past week, I've been waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning giving speeches on this issue, and so I'm hoping to get it resolved and uh, I can get, uh, get some sleep that I need. But today we finally reached our day of decision on this issue. House Joint Resolution 3 uh, calls for Utah to join other states in petitioning Congress to call a convention of the states for the purpose of considering amendments to the Constitution to limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government. I'll explain first why that is needed and then try to address some of the objections. We begin our discussion, of course, with the Constitution, which we all revere and hold sacred. We all take oaths to uphold the Constitution. By the Constitution, we the people established a federal government with limited powers. Thirteen sovereign states came together to establish a federal government. Their greatest fear in doing so was that this federal government would grow in power and expense until it had violated the sovereignty of the states and would overcome the states. And so the founders, to address that concern, limited the, the powers of the federal government, separated the powers of the federal government into three branches, provided checks and balances, and then reserved all remaining power to the states and the people. Everything worked well for a long time, but over the past 100 years, those checks have begun to weaken and fail, and now we have seen a, a tremendous expansion and encroachment by the federal government. Congress has exceeded its delegated powers. Congress has created numerous administrative agencies, which uh, impose thousands of pages of regulations. So when Congress says we want clean air, clean air, it is an administrative agency that tells us what that means. They tell mines, coal mines, and power plants what that means. Presidents through the years have issued executive orders like kings on a throne. Federal courts have begun to ignore the text of the Constitution and extend their decisions into matters of state policy, including where to define life and marriage. In short, the federal government today pervades every part of our lives. There are hundreds of references to the federal law in our Utah Code and regulations. In fact, many of the bills that we face are, are raised for the purpose of complying with or uh, uh, qualifying for the funds of the federal law, federal government. Our mandates, uh, the mandates of the federal government are coerced through deficit spending, which today the debt stands at $20 trillion. Now, to address some of the concerns, 
Some of our friends on the left say that there's no problem with big government. They like a big, strong federal government, a government that will take care of us from cradle to grave. They like this feeling of security. To them, I would say that unchecked power of the federal government will not stop. It may feel comfortable and secure today, but over time, the federal government's power will grow stronger and stronger. It'll get bigger and bigger until it is too late to change. Our friends on the right, by contrast, some of them, acknowledge that we have a problem with big government, big federal government, but they're concerned. They fear the constitutional remedy provided by the founders, and they say we do not want to approach this now. To them, I would say that if we wait, we will reach the day where we have lost our state sovereignty and our personal freedoms, and the definition of tyranny is unchecked power. And that's where it will end up. I think of our founding. Our founders also faced fear. When they were facing the oppression of the king and the parliament, and they had to face the decision of whether to declare independence. A third of the nation at that time was willing to, had the courage to go forward and declare independence, while others were saying, no, it's too risky, we don't know the outcome, let's give king and parliament more time to address our problems. And so I wonder today, where would we be if those patriots who chose independence had not chosen liberty over life and security. The tradition of state conventions is well established in our history. We need not fear a convention of the states. It was a regular pattern of conduct and a way for states to resolve problems throughout our history. There's nothing unknown about a convention of the states. We have established precedents for that. So the solution that we're that we're proposing in this resolution is a convention of the states. Our founders foresaw our problem, our situation today. They said, we have taken every precaution we can to prevent the growth and intrusion of the federal government. We've sliced and diced federal power in every way we can. But if over time that begins to slip, it begins to fail, we have provided you one final remedy and that is a convention of the states under Article 5 of the Constitution. Article 5 is the founder's failsafe. The convention of the states is being, uh, gaining movement throughout the country. Our own Governor Herbert in his State of the State address called for the federal government to shift more of its functions to the states. Legislative leaders have called for the same thing, this call for federalism to rebalance our situation with the federal government. The governor of Texas in the Texas legislature has declared an Article 5 convention of states to be an emergency item for this session of the legislature, calling for an Article 5 convention. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College, called federalism, gaining control over this vast federal government the political uh, issue of our time. Now, a couple of more concerns that have been raised. One is that the scope of the resolu resolution is too broad. Uh, first of all, let me say that 
that not everything that is proposed as an amendment uh, will necessarily come out of a convention. What will it look like? One of my favorite proposals would be a countermand or an abrogation amendment where we give states the power to override federal law. A similar resolution that was, that was supported recently in an article by LeVar Webb. Concerning the breadth, we require in a convention of the states the flexibility to address all of the encroachments by the federal government. The bandage must be as broad as the breach. We need a broad approach to address the invasiveness of the federal government. The final concern is that we will have a runaway convention. But Mr. Speaker, as you have stated, I put much greater trust in a convention of state legislators than I do in Congress. We have a problem with an out-of-control federal government, a federal government that is too big, too intrusive, too expensive. The problem can be fixed only one of two ways, either by Congress or by the states. And we place much greater trust in the states to resolve this problem than Congress. That'll conclude my presentation, and I'll open it uh, for questions. Thank you. Discussion to the bill. Representative Red. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, will the sponsor of the bill yield to a few questions? Will the sponsor of the bill yield to a series of questions? Yes. Proceed. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. On line 22 and 23 of the um, resolution, it says, whereas the federal government has created a crushing national debt through improper and imprudent spending. I, I, my question is, Mr. Speaker, who allowed the crushing national debt to occur or improper and imprudent spending? Uh, the answer is that the people did. We, the people, allowed the federal government to spend more than it takes in. And, and, and Mr. Speaker, for me, uh, who controls the federal budget? Uh, Congress controls the budget. And who elects members of Congress? The people elect members of Congress. Okay. Some additional questions for me. On line 24, 25, and 26, it says, whereas the federal government has invaded the legitimate roles of states through the manipulative process of federal mandates, most of which are unfunded to a great extent. I guess the question is, who also allowed this to happen? Uh, ultimately, it's the people. The people created uh, the federal government. The federal government has, however, become our master and controls us through federal mandates and spending. So my question, Mr. Speaker, is does Congress, does Congress have some control uh, in, in federal mandates? Uh, Congress has control, yes. And who elects members of Congress? The people elect Congress. And who has power of the purse? The Congress does. Okay, so um, I guess one, one more additional question. Uh, on line 35, let's see here. In line 35 it says, um, well, line 34, line 33 it starts, now therefore be it resolved that the legislature of the state of Utah hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited, limited to proposing amendments. Mr. Speaker, where does it state in the Constitution or in, in any law, you know, any court rulings that a convention a constitutional Article 5 convention can be limited to things that are determined before the, before the convention is called. 
Uh, the Article 5 Convention is governed by the scope of the resolution, as well as by the scope of delegate uh, limitations, as well as by the agenda at the Convention. But, but where does it say that in the Constitution? Uh, in our, we, we're governed by Article 5. Article 5 uh, refers to a Convention of States. Again, in history, we have a long tradition of uh, conventions of states and we follow that tradition and, and follow the scope of the agenda set at the convention. Okay, just one more question if I may, Mr. Speaker. Um, how many conventions of states, as you call them, or, or, or constitutional Article Five conventions have we held in the past, since, eight, since 1787? There has not been a convention uh, of states pursuant to Article Five because we've never reached that point of two-thirds of the states, so, but uh, we've had many conventions of the states. So, Mr. Speaker, I'm confused about how many, where, where all these conventions of states have been happening. I guess I don't understand that. Uh, we're, we, we're encouraging the states to adopt resolutions so that we can get up to the number of 34, which is two-thirds, which would require Congress to call the convention. Okay. Th thank, you, um, thank you for answering the questions. You know, as far as I can tell, I mean, I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I love the Constitution like we all do, and I do my best as an elected representative to uphold and sustain the Constitution. I don't think that there's, um, I, I guess my concern is, I'm not sure what part of the Constitution is broken that we're trying to fix. The Constitution is not broken. The problem is that we've elected people to Congress as a nation over the last 100 years or how long it's been going on, that are not following the Constitution. So amending the Constitution, in my, in my humble opinion, is not going to fix the problem of a government or Congress that we, that we elect if they're, if, they're not going to, if they're not going to honor and sustain uphold the Constitution, then we need to elect some new people that will. So I think our time would be better spent actually talking to our congressional delegation, the people that our states elected to Congress, and trying to convince them that they need to change what they're doing back there rather than trying to amend a constitution that they're not already following. Thank you for your time, Mr. Speaker. Thank you for letting me talk. Thank you. Further discussion to the bill. Representative Christofferson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, I'd just like to uh, speak in favor of the bill. Uh, we, I've talked to several people about this subject in you know, we're, we're all feeling the pressure of making a decision on this. And I've talked to uh, a lot of people, and it comes down to the fact that, you know, what is it that we fear? Um, if, we, if we don't do anything, then we keep going in debt further. <clears throat> Congress isn't acting. And the, the uh, Article 5 gives the state's the right to, to um, propose amendments. Congress has that right. Um, and so when, let's say something happens in the convention that is, is uh, not what is expected. I, I don't think that three-quarters of the states, 38 states, would ratify that action. I think that they would be smart enough and I understand the, uh, the, state the state legislatures entrust them and their judgment to know that they wouldn't ratify something that's worse than what we've got now. So I think 
The fear is, is not what can happen in convention. The fear is what will happen if we don't. And we have a way that we can enact, um, that we can, we can make actions that will solve the problems we've got. Congress isn't solving them. As states, we have a duty to protect ourselves, and this is one way to do it. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. Further discussion, Representative Hollins. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Will the sponsor of the bill please yield to a question? Will the sponsor yield to a question? Yes. Proceed. I am wondering, um, with the community that I represent that is very diverse um, in culture and people from different economic and social backgrounds, I'm wondering how can you guarantee that their voice would be heard and they would be at the table during this convention? Uh, their voice would be heard the same way it is now, through delegates that represent the people of the state of Utah. Thank you. Um, I rise in opposition to this bill. We all know when the Constitution was originally written, it was not written with everyone who was living in the United States um, in mind. It was not written for me and it was not written for my um, forefathers. Um, and I am concerned that there are a lot of people's voices who will not be heard at this table, would not be there, would not be able to make decisions. Um, there would be a group of people that will once again be left out of this convention. It will be a convention of the rich and the powerful. And that's not who I represent. And that's not who um, the, the people who chose me to be here to speak, their, to be their voice on the Hill. Um, the majority of those people have emailed me and have asked me not to support this convention. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion? Representative Ellison. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Will the sponsor yield? Will the sponsor yield to a question? Yes. Proceed. Thank you. How many state legislative chambers would need to ratify uh, amendments coming, potential amendments coming from such convention? Uh, any amendment proposed by uh, and approved by the convention would have to be ratified by three-fourths of the states, uh, 38, and so that would be a lot of numbers, but it's 38 states that need to ratify. So if my math is correct, that's at least, depending on how you treat Nebraska, 67 legislative act bodies. Correct. Uh, it, it would, it, it's a difficult uh, uh, ratification process. It would be difficult, but that's, that's the, what the Article 5 requires. So it's a very, very high hurdle. Yes, indeed. Thank you. Um, I, I would like just to comment that the good representative from uh, Cache County uh, talked about having our elected representatives do their job, which is a very good point. I would like to reference a question that I asked uh, uh, Congresswoman Love last session when she was reporting to this body. And I asked her, what is the answer to our burgeoning deficit and uh, mounting debt and she said we there's only one answer in terms of Congress needs to be there needs to be an article 5 convention because we cannot do it ourselves as evidenced by decades and decades of history so using our own congressional representatives words 
I urge your support of this resolution. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion to the bill? Representative Brian King. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I wanted to address, I wasn't really planning to speak to this. I've spoken to these CONCON -con issues before, and I am different than a, a number of folks that contact me urging a, a negative vote on these Article 5 CONCON -con issues in this sense. I don't distrust this process. It's written into the Constitution, for crying out loud. You can't claim to revere the Constitution of the United States and reject Article 5. It's part, it's there, and it's a sound process. I don't have a problem with it. Here's what I have a problem with. I have a problem with comments about some on the left liking a strong central, big strong government. Well, some on the right like a big strong government too. Like when it comes to interfering with the market by bullying companies about where they do business or keeping people from particular religions or countries and distressed circumstances from entering our country or telling women that they can't control their bodies, or putting in tariffs or barriers to prevent free trade, or limiting who can and can't vote once they've been in office for a certain period of time that people make a decision, people shouldn't be allowed to vote for those candidates after that. That troubles me, and that's why I'm voting no on this, because I just don't think the things that are identified as being issues for consideration in this Article 5 uh, Constitutional Convention are wise to limit in the way that this uh, resolution seeks to limit them. So I'll be voting no. Thank you. Further discussion to the bill? Representative Snow. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm not going to give the, the full comments that I was intending uh, to make. And some of you have heard some of my position previously uh, expressed. I stand in support of this resolution, and there are lots of reasons why. And you've heard me speak about the process. Uh, this is process that's related to the power of the people to govern themselves. And it's written into the Constitution. First three words of the Constitution are, we the people. That's the principle. We the people. Then there's a process that allows the people, when necessary, to amend this grand document. And the document has been amended several times. Uh, I urge your support. If you stop and look at the hurdles that would have to, we'd have to all get over before an amendment actually becomes law, they are significant and they are intended to be. But I'd also urge you to not be afraid of the process conducted by the people because that's where the power to be governed lies. And uh, I urge your support. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. Further discussion? Representative Christensen. Thank you, Representatives. Um, this is such a profoundly important constitutional question for us to decide 200 years of history, 230 years of history, uh, indicate that this discussion is far more demanding than one hour will allow. The, con the Constitutional Convention that will be so seriously impacted by this outcome was much, was much more than a one-hour floor debate. Titles, assumptions, promises can be very superficial, albeit very well intended. If it was only a matter of balancing budget 
term limits or federal overreach, it would be an easy yes, but it is so much more than that. On just the balanced budget itself, Hamilton said that if the national debt wasn't excessive, it would prove to be a national blessing. Obviously, it's excessive, but you have to have an emergency exception. You have to have a war exception. How do you defend yourself in times of war? An opponent can just wait till your fiscal year expires and then declare war. That's why states can balance their budgets, but the national government has to have flexibility. But it's been abused. So back to the question, is this the time? Is this the way? Is it strictly necessary? Is it wise? Does it have hidden constitutional unintended consequences? Yes, serious unintended consequences. It's our Constitution itself, the times we live in, serious threats to the founding vision and principles upon which America stands. During the Revolution, serious, numerous times, the Congress established national days of fasting and prayer, united pleas for the people to pray and seek that heaven blessed victory for the holy cause of liberty, and that our nation might, quote, be forever established on the basis of morality and religion. Today, religious liberty is endangered, public virtue is suppressed, moral relativism abounds, runaway secularism advances. So much of this is attributable to judicial activism. Instead of the supremacy of we the people, we are overruled by we the courts. Hamilton again said, don't worry about the judiciary, it's the least dangerous branch. Not so today. The Declaration of Independence expressed our firm reliance on the supreme judge of the world. Where is that firm reliance today? Now we're asked to look to a convention of the states. Is this the way? Is this the time? What if a newly elected president and representatives under our Constitution changed course? What if new justices and judges changed course? The process thus far to bring this bill to us has rejected control of the people over the, the judiciary. That's not in the resolution. We are told it's a single issue and not a runaway convention, but this, quote, single issues, unquote, are multiplying. Again, because of superficial titles, labels, promised outcomes, trust us, we are told. Again, with the best of intentions. Remember the proposed Equal Rights Amendment? There were numerous hidden constitutional unintended consequences like today. There was no bigotry. There was no opposition to true equality and we've since achieved its purpose in other ways. Equality has been achieved and we continue to pursue it in wiser ways, and we can do so once again. Wait, Utah, let Utah hold on. There are some things in life that seem true by lamplight that aren't so by sunlight. This is not a parade, it's not a moving sidewalk to simply get on board. Look at the resolution, it's a continuing application. It's not revocable, it's just a blank check. Just wait and see what all the other states decide to do. Oklahoma chose not to. At state sovereignty, please take a moment, take this serious, take this to heart. Look at your Utah code, pull it out, look at it. 63G-15-101, we adopted it in 2012. It's at the heart of our current ongoing federalism which are independent of all of this. But this is succinctly and shortly what it says. 
Pursuant to the Ninth and Tenth Amendments of the Constitution of the United States of America, the State of Utah does solemnly affirm its state sovereignty and fully and unconditionally reserves and asserts all rights and powers directly and indirectly related to those rights and powers. This affirmation, reservation, and assertion includes rights and claims of set-off by the State of Utah for any amounts it claims to have been inequitably or unlawfully caused or imposed by the federal government. It doesn't hinge on a new resolution seeking for the first time in 230 years an Article V constitutional convention. So hold on, Utah. We will press on with our federalism assertions independently and not dependent upon this possible parade. I express my strong support of the outcomes and the principles that I know that our fellow representatives are advocating. And I've looked at it, I've pondered over it, it's been a heart-wrenching decision if I thought it was just based on outcomes. But I think even in our earliest days we learned, be careful what you ask for, you might get what you ask for. And so I would say, it's not time yet, not now. Hold on, wait a little longer. Keep looking at this, studying it, but don't just jump on the parade and think that there's something you can think about later, think about deeper, reconsider later. I think we'll take it year to year if we need to. We looked at this last year and chose not to. We're making progress. I think it's overstated to think that the time is now in less than a one-hour debate to just simply push the green button. Um, again, not easy because I so agree with the outcomes, but is this the time? Is this the way? And all my ponderings and all my soul searching, I just can't quite get there just yet. I wish with all my heart that the missing countermand, that we could actually go forward and say that the people, it was never intended, never, that the Supreme Court would have, would, would replace the Supreme Judge of the world and would overrule the moral voice of a united people, state by state by state. If there was ever an issue to address, it's that one, and it's been rejected by the Convention of the States. The other things that are in it can be done other ways, better ways. They don't warrant this. We don't have to say yes today. We can deliberate, and the process will continue. Thank you. Thank you. Further discussion? Representative Ivory. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, I remember I was first called into a church leadership position. And uh, I was excited. I wanted to help my neighbors. And, and I was excited that we would do great things. And when problems would come up, as problems do, I would come up with these creative solutions. We could do this, or we could do that, or we could try this to solve that problem. And, and the leader would just sit back, and, and finally he would say, Brother Ivory, I have an idea. Why don't we check the handbook? Why don't we check the handbook? Representatives, we, we have the handbook. We have the handbook. Men that we believe were raised up by God who said by divine providence they established a more perfect union with the Constitution. And in that handbook it says that we have the power we, we, this body, state legislators, we have the constitutional power 
to maintain the system. Think of your first official act. First official act, I remember standing right there. And I remember raising my hand and solemnly swearing that I would uphold and defend the handbook. And I wondered what power I had as a state representative to uphold and defend the Constitution. It's right there. It's right there. In fact, George Washington, the father of the country, said, if in the opinion of the people the distribution or modification of the constitutional powers is ever in any particular wrong. We've heard a lot of discussion about how the distribution and modification of the constitutional powers is in almost every particular wrong. He said, if in the opinion of the people they're ever in any particular wrong, let it be changed by an amendment in the way the constitution designates but let there be no change by usurpation. Don't just do it, don't just let the federal government do it. That's how free government is destroyed. I agree with my good colleague from Salt Lake. Governing by executive order is not appropriate on the right or the left. That's how free government is destroyed. The Supreme Court acting like the Supreme Being is not okay on the right or the left. That's how free government is destroyed. In order to secure our liberty, that we could flourish, that we could create our highest order, we're the only government in the world that says we're endowed by a creator with unalienable rights, life, liberty, property. And with those, we can create in a godlike manner new songs, new buildings, new businesses. And we create if we're secured in those things. And they said to create that protection, we first divide government. We have to divide government, and then we have to limit government. And Madison, in the very first Congress, introducing the very first amendment to the Constitution under Article 5, said the state legislatures will jealously and closely watch the operations of this national government. And the state legislatures will be able to resist with more effect every assumption of power better than any power on earth can do. Because the state legislatures are the sure guardians of the people's liberty. If we fail to act, how do we answer to those that the good representative presenting the bill put life, fortune, sacred honor on the line? We can redeclare independence right now with a document, not a musket or a pitchfork. We can reestablish the divisions and limits of power right now without a war and a battle under the rule of law. Those that complain this is too dangerous, I got an email. I got an email that said, Using the Constitution is the worst thing since sin. Triple exclamation point. That's the hyperbole that's been out there. The worst thing since sin is to use the Constitution. I think not. The handbook is the answer. It's right there. How should we suppose that divine providence that established this Constitution will continue to bless and favor us if we don't use what he gave us. It's like a drowning man praying and the boat comes. They say, no, 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 I'll wait for God. Here's the life preserver. I'll wait for God. This is the liberty preserver right here. In 1967, there was a group, in fact, the same group that is opposing this today. 
There's a group that was pushing the Liberty Amendments, and the Liberty Amendments would have banned the United States from engaging in business. It would have eliminated the 16th Amendment. It would have eliminated foreign engagement in the United States. And they presented this bill on the floor in the Utah legislature, and I've got a news article that says uh, Governor Rampton said that Ezra Taft Benson, who was the former Secretary of Ag Agriculture, prominent leader in the United States, now, I don't know what the rules were in 1967. If Mel Brown were still in the body, he could tell us what it was like back then. But it says that Ezra Taft Benson was allowed, when the debate began, Ezra Taft Benson was permitted the privilege of the floor in the legislature to speak in favor of the Liberty Amendment and afterwards sat on the floor. Throughout the debate, Rampton says, making himself at home. Justice Scalia said... Uh, the founders inserted this alternative method of obtaining constitutional amendments because they knew Congress would be unwilling to give attention to many issues the people are concerned with, particularly those involving restrictions on the federal government's own power. They foresaw that and, that, and they provided the convention remedy. If the only way to get to a convention is to take the minimal risk, then it's a reasonable one. Otherwise, we cede all power to Congress. Representatives, it's in the handbook. It's in the handbook. And we swore the oath, and so decide or don't decide, we'll be accountable for what we do because we are constitutional actors, we are the sure guardians of the people's liberty, and as Washington said, if in the opinion of the people it's in any particular wrong, use the handbook. I encourage your support. Thank you. Further discussion, Representative Standard. Call previous question. Previous question has been called, has the effect of ending debate, non-debatable motion. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed say no. Rule that motion passes. Back to the sponsor of the bill for summation, Representative Nelson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. <clears throat> I wish I were a more effective spokesman for this important issue. It's vital to us. I remember the story of Benjamin Franklin leaving the Constitutional Convention, he was, he was asked the question, uh, what have you done for us? What have you got for us? What form of government do you have? And remember his response was, we've given you a republic if you can keep it. We uh, are in jeopardy of losing our republic. At this point, federalism has been turned on its head. States are subservient to the federal government. States are no longer equals in our government. States must be restored to their proper role of equal sovereign partners in the government of this country. They're not there now. They've lost it. We've lost it. Responding to some of the concerns, uh, I'm not saying the Constitution is broken. The Constitution is not broken. But Congress is broken. And the President is broken. And the Supreme Court is broken. And the only way we can repair these functions of the federal government is through a constitutional amendment. They will never voluntarily back down and change their course. They will continue to pursue expansion of their power unchecked. There is no check. The only check afforded in the Constitution is the one in Article 5, a Convention of the States, where the Founder said, we foresee your problem. We know that despite all of the precautions we've taken, you may still face the problem of a federal government that grows out of control. Here's your remedy. States, 
call a convention, come together, and talk. Alexander Hamilton said, ultimately, he says, power is almost always the rival of power. The only way to check the power of the federal government is with the power of the states. We're the ones who have it. No one else has it. No one else can exercise it. Only we can. Alexander Hamilton said, state governments can adopt a plan of opposition and afford complete security against invasions of the public liberty by the national authority. They can readily communicate with each other in different states, unite their common forces for the protection of their common liberty. That's all a convention of states is. It's states meeting together, talking with each other, discussing ways that we can limit the federal government. There's nothing draconian, there's nothing dark, there's nothing dangerous. It's just states getting together and talking. We attended a simulated convention of the states to prove that this can be done without harm to the Constitution, without harm to our rights. Everyone here in this body has a great love for the Constitution. We're all concerned with the, the intrusions of the federal government. At this simulated convention, we had delegates from all 50 states, and they were good, conscientious people just like we are, who care just as much as we do, who love the Constitution just as much as we do, who are prepared to meet. They are watching Utah today, watching to see what Utah does with this Article 5 resolution. We need to continue the momentum across this country and come to the point where states can meet together, talk together to address the federal government and limits on the federal government. That's all we're asking. There's nothing dangerous about it. If you don't like what comes out of that convention, defeat it. We don't have to ratify what comes out of it. That's the ultimate protection. Our mission here is to protect the Constitution and to repair its institutions by limitations on power. Power checks power. We've got the power. It's the founders' fail-safe. They've given it to us and we need to use it. Now mention was made that Utah is sovereign. Nothing to worry about. Utah is sovereign. Well, you can run around the state proclaiming Utah's sovereignty all you want, but that doesn't change the fact that we're still down on bended knee with handout asking for federal money to comply with federal programs. Federal government dictates to us what our law is. You count the number of bills that come forward during this session. You count all the numbers where we're complying with federal law so that we can get federal money. Utah sovereign, in your dreams, we have lost our sovereignty. We are no longer sovereign. If you want to be a sovereign state, you vote yes on this petition and get us a convention of states where we can put checks on the federal government. A countermand amendment, I would love to have a countermand amendment. The only way we're going to get there is through this convention of states. In fact, I passed a countermand amendment at the simulated convention. If you want to give that tool to the states, where 30 states can override federal law and the federal uh, departments start to look over their shoulder and say, hey, the states have got a check on us. We better do better. We better watch what we're doing. This is the only way to do it. This is the way to do it. If you come up with a single countermand amendment, I tried that three years ago. I couldn't get it out of committee. This is the form to take. This is the, the movement to join right here and right now. 
The point was made that if we don't like the federal government, let's change our federal representatives. Let's change Congress. Well, which of our six uh, representatives, congressmen, senators, would you trade out? Which one don't you like? I've heard all six of them run for office, as you have. All six of them said, well, I'm going to go back to Washington and I'm going to rein in the federal government. I'm going to cut federal spending. I'm going to return sovereignty to the states. It doesn't happen because they can't do it. Changing all six of them wouldn't make a difference. In a trial of the next 50 years, what's going to happen over that time is not less federal government, but more. Changing our federal delegation will make no difference. They are good people, responsible people. They're accountable to us, and they're representing us in a, in a very exemplary way. Changing them will not change the structure and growth of the federal government. In conclusion, one of the several of the emails I had accused me of treason because I would even think of changing the Constitution. I was accused of being a traitor to my country and violating my oath to uphold the Constitution. I plead innocent to the charge of treason, but if there is a crime here, it is the crime of voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude to a federal master and we're all guilty, guilty of the crime of doing nothing, indicted by our children and grandchildren who will look back under the burden of debt and lost liberty and demand to know why, when we had a chance to do something to follow the very remedy prescribed by our founders, we rejected it and chose to do nothing and chose to allow the federal government continue to grow. In conclusion, if you feel like there is no problem with the federal government, you've got food on the table, car in the garage, everything is good and dandy, then vote against this resolution. If you feel like there is a problem but you fear the Constitution, you're afraid to follow the remedy provided by the founders, then vote against this resolution. But if you agree as I do, if you believe as I do, and as most Americans do, that the federal government is too big, too intrusive, and too expensive, and that you believe and trust in the Constitution, in Article 5, in the founders, in the remedy they gave us to protect their work and our liberties, then the proper remedy is a vote of yes on this resolution. Thank you very much. Thank you. Voting will now be open on House Joint Resolution 3. Resolution calling for a convention to amend the Constitution of the United States. Seeing all present having voted, voting will now be closed.
HDR 3, having received 45 yes votes, 29 no votes, passes this body and will be transmitted to the Senate for... Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Thank you for listening.